Hello everyone, it's your girl Teresa and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I am your host Teresa Reese and y'all know how we do it. I am going to start off by reading one of my poems from my book of poetry and my book is called A Strong-Willed Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry and The poem that I'm going to read on tonight is called My ABCs. Now just imagine the alphabet. Always told who I wouldn't become. Beat to make me believe. Cut down before I could even deny this. Devastated by constant grief. Explaining every deed and action. Forgetting all of my visions and dreams. Guessing I'd live a very short life, hoping someone would save me from strife. I diligently prayed for deliverance, jealous of those who looked free, kind to those who took the time to understand me, love I didn't feel internally or externally, missing out on extracurricular activities, never satisfied with myself, sheltered and lonely only comforted when I would sing, pretending to be fine when I was wounded, quitting often as I doubted myself, rejecting love and ignoring all signs, sensitive to people's criticisms, torn apart by cruel intentions. Understanding was very limited for me. Victoriously, I chose to rise above abuse, willing to forgive and leave the past behind me. X-ray vision allowed me to see my heart healed, yielding to the possibilities of overcoming. Zealous indeed, and now I'm finally living. Now you know my ABCs. Life started out real rough for me. I thank God for the victory when the devil tried to destroy me. So tonight, I just wanted to talk about my past. Um... Because I've been delivered, I've been set free, and I thank God for complete and total victory. But when I do look on over my past, one of the... Okay, Lord, I just had a little distraction take place, so y'all please forgive me because you will definitely hear that in the background. Um, But when I look over some of the history of my life and I know tonight I was on a platform and I kind of talked about some of the church hurt that I had experienced and it's amazing how going through all of that that I literally am amazed I'm just amazed at how God healed me I'm amazed at how he made it to where I don't look like what I've gone through. Now, to some people, you know, they'll be like, well, she's not a size zero like she used to be. And she's not a size eight like she used to be. And, you know, I see just a little bit of discoloration here. And and she's gained some weight. And yeah, she does look like what she's been through. But that would be the minority, honey, not the majority. Because when I truly look back over what I've been through, I don't 
by any means look like what I have definitely gone through. So when we were talking about the church herd and I was um, welcomed to be able to express some of the things that I have encountered when it came to men and women of God, pastors and all of that. I started to realize that there were a lot of people that held these titles that abused their titles. And I was in a, I have been in situations where if I had the type of personality type, I thank God I didn't, but had I had a certain personality type and I was spoken to the way that I was spoken to in those situations, I probably could have ended up strung out on drugs. And so I'm grateful that I don't have that type of, like I don't have an addictive personality. Um, So, and I'm grateful for that because when I look back over some of the things that I've gone through, had I had an addictive personality, I would, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I would have been strung out on drugs. And I remember telling someone because I've had multiple children, I have six children to be exact, and I've had one miscarriage. And I remember telling someone, because, you know, sometimes you get in a room and people want to judge you based on the decisions that you made. And I ended up telling them, not even realizing the magnitude of what I had said. But I was like, you know what? Considering all the hell that I've been through, if having multiple children is the only thing that I can look back on, baby, I think I did all right. Because had anybody else been in the situations that I had been in, they might be six feet under. Or they might have put someone six feet under. So I was like, if children is your only comeback, I think I'm doing pretty dang good. Considering the circumstances. And so I thought about it and I was like, you know, what am I going to talk about on the podcast? I'm running over, so y'all will be getting two for the price of one because I got to come back on later on tonight. But I literally was like, what do I talk about? So I started asking God, what do I talk about? And then the poem ABCs came up. And I said, Lord, now how, how befitting that is. How befitting that is. So I'm about to invite someone. Hold on one moment. Keith. Can you hear me? Hold on. He's learning. He's learning. Hold on, big bro. Can you hear me? Okay. He said he can't join right now. Okay. Because what I was going to do was let y'all hear him. But he said he can't join right now. So we gonna let that go, but I was going to invite a different perspective. So since he is unavailable, I'm going to just keep on going. But, um, when I was, I was like, okay, we're going to talk about my past. ABC's perfect, perfect, perfect poem considering. And it's crazy because when I read the words of my poem, yes, I went through all of that. I went through being told that I was nothing. I went through being told that no one would ever love me. 
I've been falsely accused of being somewhere that I wasn't. And I know how that impacts. I know what type of impact that has on a, an innocent soul. So in our formative years, you know, when we're young, becoming a teenager, there's just certain things that should never be spoken over a child because it starts to set the stage of how that child thinks of who that child becomes. If she has a strong mind, maybe she can overcome the lies. But if she doesn't, it just creates a lot of havoc in her, in her mind, in her life, in her relationships. And it's just unwise. It's unwise to speak death over a child. And so a lot of times what I'm starting to realize in the parenting arena is that parents have not healed. They may have been abused when they were growing up. They never sought counseling. They never chose to really truly delve into like where the pain is coming from. Why is it lingering? Why do I, they, they've never thought to question. Why do I use this tone when I talk to this child? Why do I look at this child a certain way? Like I, I despise them or I resent them or I'm jealous of them. Like they don't do, take the time to do the work. And then we as children, because we are left to believe that our overseers that they know everything, at least we think they do, because in a lot of situations, the children are like our children look at the parents as if like they're, you know, many gods or something. So children tend to trust their elders judgment. And so when I look over the pathway of my life, and I think about the choices that were made on my behalf, that weren't necessarily the best choices. And then I think about what impact that had on me and how I wasn't able to formulate or articulate when I was in a very uncomfortable situation. I remember a time that um, I literally, I, um, my, my, my overseer is a witness, a Jehovah's Witness. And I remember because we would always go to conventions and, and things like that. So I remember going to a convention and we would always go. But I remember that there was a relative that had molested me multiple times. And I remember not knowing how to articulate to my parent that I don't want to be in the presence of this relative. But I had gotten fed up. Like I had gotten so tired of being molested by this individual. And so when I was, we were told, me and my siblings were told, at the time it was actually just one sibling. So when me and my sibling, we were told that um, we were going to go to the convention and that this relative was coming. I was like, I don't want to go. And the overseer was like, why? And I said, because he touches me. And so she was like, where? And I told her where? And so first she was in shock. 
And so then she pretty much, you know, went and explained to the parent of the relative, you know, he won't be able to come this time. Well, then I, I don't know. I don't know what the thought process was. I, I couldn't, I can't tell you that's something that, you know, she would have to say or explain. But I remember shortly thereafter, after the convention was over with and all of that, that he ended up back in my presence. I thought telling her that I had been abused by him would be sufficient enough. But because he was a relative and because she thought I, in my mind, she thought that she had made it perfectly clear that he should never touch me again, that all was well. Now, it's already traumatizing to encounter being in the presence of your molester or your rapist. That's already traumatizing. We ended up going to a water like a it was a pool area, pretty much. Um, I'm just going to call it a water park. It really wasn't a water park. It's just a pool, a place with a pool. But anyway, <laughs> we went there and I'll never forget it. It's crazy. I've had two brain surgeries, but the trauma didn't go anywhere. It's still there. And so um, he literally, when we got in the pool, he literally tried to lift me up with his hand in between my legs. Trying to molest me once again, but in the pool. I looked him dead in his eye and said, if you ever touch me again, I will kill you. That was the last time that the molester touched me. Now, even though that was the last time that he touched me, what he did to me had an everlasting effect. Every time that I have been touched by someone who said that they loved me or that and I'm talking about before I ever agreed or consented to sexual activity. These are young men who violated what was meant for only my permission. Who took it upon themselves to take advantage of me because they felt like they could get away with it. And in a lot of ways they did. And so I literally have had to go through this process, first of all, of forgiving myself. Now, just, I mean, you're, I'm a child. I am a child. So here it is. I am a child and I'm having to, in my adult life, go all the way back to my childhood and have a conversation with the child in me to forgive myself for even holding my own self hostage and feeling some type of way because someone violated me without my permission. Just so that I could feel free again. Just so that I could feel free again. Life is going to have interruptions. Things are going to happen unannounced and quickly and unexpectedly. There should 
always be a place within yourself that you can retreat to when you feel like this is way too much for me to handle. There should always be someone that you can talk to when you feel as if there, this right here is just way too much for me to handle. If you don't have that, I hope, I pray, I will that you find it. Because there are a lot of things that we cannot control. So many things that can happen quickly. And the, the worst feeling is to feel like you're going through it by yourself. The worst feeling is to play the blame game. To start blaming everybody else for your discomfort. One thing that has liberated me is ownership. I own it. Good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. I own it. There's a lot of things that I have done in my life that I am not proud of. Will never, ever be proud of. But they were done. There are a lot of things that were said to me that hurt me to the core that I had to forgive people for. There were a lot of things that were done to me that hurt me to the core that I had to forgive people for. And I didn't forgive them for them. For them. I forgave them for me. Because I know what it feels like to be in bondage. I know what it feels like not to be free. And I hate that feeling. I absolutely hate feeling like I am in bondage. And that I can't break free. So I made a conscious effort. Okay girl, you're going to have to do some things differently if you want your liberty back. When I tell you it was worth it. Oh, honey, it was worth it because I am able to tell my truth. There is not a flutter in my heart. There is not a bit of anxiety because I am living in my truth. Unapologetically. These things happen to me. I have dealt with them. I have confessed my sins. I have took ownership for the things that I didn't do. That happened to me. The things I did do. That happened to others. I haven't always been. I'm a, what's the word Lord? What can I use? I haven't always been. Completely saved and sanctified. And filled with the Holy Spirit. In any way form or fashion. Honey. I was a heathen. I can say it now I laugh because I'm just like, and to think you really thought you was doing something. Girl, please sit your butt down. <laughs> there was nothing good about what you were doing. It was instant gratification. That's all it was. And then you look back and you're like, and it wasn't even gratifying. It's like you, you were wasting your precious time. But I can talk about it now because I'm free. So I'm just, I literally... I'm not going to say I was glad for what I went through. Because don't nobody want to go through what I went through. I didn't even want to go through what I went through. 
but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the experience because it taught me who I didn't want to be. It taught me what I didn't want to hold on to. It taught me what I needed to let go. So I hope that this has blessed you. I thought I was going to have a surprise guest on, but he's getting acclimated. So I'm going to let him do that. And maybe one day in the future, he will be on my podcast. That's my big brother. I call him Keith. He is not my biological big brother. We have adopted each other as brother and sister. And I love him to pieces. So I'm going to conclude this with a letter to my future hubby. And it says, Dear future hubby, Today was a very long day. However, by the grace of God, I made it through. I worked three hours overtime, drove to my parents' home, had a brief chat with my mom, and said hello to my dad. Then I walked to my vehicle. My mom helped me with a few things and walked me to my vehicle. The older she has gotten, the more affectionate she has become. Trust me, it hasn't always been this way. I didn't grow up in an affectionate atmosphere. I didn't get hugs and kisses often in my childhood. This new mom was so foreign to me that initially I fought against her hugs and kisses. She and I had an entire dialogue about who needed this level of affection more, me or her. As time has gone on, where at first I believed my mom needed hugs and kisses from me, now I think it's twofold. I wonder how you grew up with affection expressed in your household or not. I love you. Love, Teresa. So I hope that y'all have a blessed and wonderful evening. You know what I always say. Take care of yourself because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Bye.